Before we continue, one of the ways we keep all of our content for you, the listener, free of charge is our amazing sponsors, and today, Anchor is one of those sponsors. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. It's free, there's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcasts right from your phone or computer. Anchor is going to distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and everywhere podcasts are listened to, and you can even make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Hey everybody, in this episode of the GH Report, Ava's cover story finally comes out. Sonny and Carly get some bad news about their baby, and Dante serves Lulu with divorce papers. We're going to break it all down next. You're tuned in to AfterBuzz TV, the ESPN of TV talk. Now, let the buzz Hey, hey, there, there, there. Welcome to the GH Report here on AfterBuzz TV on a Sunday afternoon. <laughs> hey, everybody. Welcome to the GH Report. Breaking down all the latest goofiness here happening in Port Charles. I am the musically challenged Frank Moran. And I'm Carla Renata. <laughs> As always, folks, like us on Facebook. Give us those five stars on iTunes. Subscribe to the YouTube channel. And the chat is up and running. It's it up and running, is, people. It is. It is. Okay, roll call. We got Michelle Mabel, Joe Costanzo, Lisa Wagner, Lori Cole, Loretta, Marlon Wallace, Michael B., Jerry Jacks, uh, oh, Andy wow. Gowen, I know, right? Um, <laughs> Enrique Galvian, Rena Sheen, Kelly Public Cover, Dulamon. Hey, Dulamon. Nikisha Jones. And I think that's everybody. Daisy Flower 40. And Osei, did you see? Welcome, y'all. And Marlon Wallace. I think I said Marlon, but if I didn't, Marlon Wallace and Michael B. Hey, y'all. What's up? I mean, we have one of the most dangerous men ever to go to Port Charles. That's Jerry Jacks in the chat with us right now. Are you coming back to PC? What's going on? Let us know, Jerry. We're excited to find out. So, folks, we're going to be breaking down all the latest happenings there in Port Charles. A little news and gossip at the end to tide you over. But before we dive into everything in detail, Carla, what did you think of the week? You know, it was, you know how I'm I'm always like, you know how they do. They do that slow burn and then they kind of, they kind of bring us back in with like that dun 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 moment at the end of the show. So, um, I, I love the fact, this is what I really loved. My favorite moment of the week was when Ava decided she was going to run around town and call people out about that Crimson, yeah. yes. <laughs> Crimson magazine. But my favorite one was when she, she rolled up on Nina and was trying to read Nina. And Nina was like, oh, but the social media on it was fantabulous. Look at these comments. And she was all into it until she read that one comment that she didn't like, which is so typical Ava. Ava is all about it until something pops off that she doesn't agree with. And then it's a problem. <laughs> what uh, What did you think of that cover? I saw... I, I, I uh, love that cover. She's like holding an apple or something. Yeah, and then she's got a snake coming around her. I love that cover. It was beautiful. You know what I didn't like about that cover? What? It's like I felt like they didn't take a great like Ava's expression looked pretty kind of like meh but that's like, what she always looked like why, why you expected her to have a different expression she know. always looks like that like what else is she gonna look like you know give me a little more personality a little oomph I want a little bit more pizzazz on the facial expression dude she can't be smiling when she's talking about murder and mayhem you can't be like hey like that's not gonna, I don't need that, that. that's not but, gonna work give me an arched <laughs> eyebrow Give me a subtle kind of like <laughs> smirk on one lip or something, a little little curling up. I mean something. It was just her like And I got like a Photoshop snake coming right next to me. And it was just pretty much like hmm. 
That was it. I, and I was really happy not to see as much Shiloh this week. Oh man, a week without Shiloh. That's a shame. I was like, yeah, I, I needed I just needed a pause for the cause from him for a minute. But I dug the I dug the scene with Ava going in on Jax, Ava going in, trying to go in on Carly, and Carly was having none of it. Carly just got up and left. Yep. <laughs> and then her going in on Nina, which is funny because she says to Nina, you know, just wait. Something's gonna happen to you and we all know from watching it that something is about to pop off for her in terms of Sasha, so there's that. Yeah. It's uh it is interesting. Now one thing I guess we should start off with is there is a like an influx of psychics. I mean we got Annie Goen tweeting at <laughs> They're us. They're talking about that in the chat room. They're like, What's up with the psychics this Everybody's week? Everybody's just coming to Port Charles. <laughs> we wanna do some some readings here. Uh all right, so we we saw our two psychics. Mm-hmm. Uh, we had our latest lady coming in. Uh, of the two that we've seen, I think I actually I feel like I enjoyed the second one a little bit better. I, I think her personality was a little more upbeat and bubbly. Yeah, she was a little bit more upbeat and bubbly. The second one was, but she was kind of annoying because she literally would be talking and just go into a trance in the middle of a conversation. <laughs> like when she was talking to Franco, and she they were talking, and all of a sudden she just went, "I'm like, girl." Really? Like, it's so... I don't know. I'm like, are we going to fall into, like, the stereotypical stuff that we think a psychic does? Like, this is not for nothing, but I'm just going to digress for a second. This is one of the things I loved about Whoopi Goldberg and Ghost, because she was not one of those psychics that was like, ooh, I... Ooh. She, she heard voices, but she was, like, having a real conversation. It wasn't like, their presence... You know, it wasn't all that. I'm like, uh... Wait, Carl, I'm sorry getting something i can't i cannot <laughs> i cannot with that yeah, but you know, i always love when a good psychic pop up but i wish it had been i wish leah delaria had been the psychic i wish she had just because i think she was on either one life to live or all my children back in the day as a psychic i would have loved to her to pop up as a psychic that in itself would have been pure comedy just just for old time's sake i just needed for her to pop up as a psychic yeah <laughs> I mean, and I'm bummed that we find out that uh, Ava gave the boot to the first. Yeah, poor Veronica Cartwright. Because, she, got, it, it, because it, like I said, when she doesn't hear what she wants to hear, it's an issue. Don't matter who's giving her the news, if it's not something that she wants to hear. And then the other chick was like, yeah, you know, I, I have my visions and she has hers. And But then when she, she, she said, well, why did you fire Sibley? And she said, well, she told me this, 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 and this. And then and she just repeated what Ava said, which made <laughs> yes, me laugh. That made me laugh out loud. I'm like, oh, you've got shenanigans. But then to hear Ava was like, you fucked the key. Right, like, and then what? Ava, like, I was like, <laughs> Ava, really? Did you not hear what I just heard? Did you not hear that she just repeated what you said? And she read the article in Crimson. I'm like, yeah. How you go? How you go? Go see a psychic that then read the article about you in Crimson and is repeating what you say to her. Like I cannot. That was funny. <laughs> what I thought was weird about the conversation too is that did she say anything else? Oh well, she wanted me to say something to Franco about like that he's glad that he's kind of you know put his past aside and is able to move on with his life. Oh, that sounds like a very kiki ass thing. Anything else? And she says no. But she also gave Franco that warning. Like, she doesn't mention that warning. Don't get in the car. And I was yeah. like, and they walked away. Sorry, I got to go. I'm like, what the hell was that? <laughs> no. They were saying, um, so Leah Delaria was on One Life to Live. Thank you, Coco Candy. And then they said that they would prefer Olivia having visions than these random Gosh. psychics popping up. I'm like, actually, I kind of prefer that, too. I need more Olivia time. I like when Olivia's yeah. on screen. Because we always see these, like, weird, <laughs> odd cutaways of, like, something that she was saying. 
and then you're trying to figure out like how it was going to tie in. <laughs> yeah, because I mean, and admittedly, that is something that the, the show just dropped. She would have those every so often, and then we never heard about it again. That which is weird to me because at one at one point, I love the fact that Ava went to her and said, "I thought she was supposed to be psychic," and she was like, "Um, yeah." <laughs> I'm, I'm remember, the man. remember that moment? She was just kind of like, um, I was like, oh, no. I, I co-own a hotel now. That's it. That's all you need to know. I cannot. <laughs> that was hilarious. And um, and Marlon Wallace said, Franco isn't feeling himself. I'm like, I don't know what that's about, but we'll get back to that. Well, speaking of Olivia, we do get to see her. I mean, it's, I feel it's... And Lucy. Lucy has psychic powers, too. Oh, that's true. I would, yeah, I'm with y'all. I would prefer Lucy or Olivia over these two random people. Yeah, why not? I mean, let's keep it within the uh, the GH family. Let's see some let's, actors let's, that don't let's get keep a lot. It, let's keep it within the Port Charles world. Let's yeah. do that. But okay, go ahead. I'm sorry. Oh, no, we get to see Olivia uh, because her and Sonny head over to Lulu's after they find out that Dante shot Peter. <sighs> And are there just to find out that she's been served with divorce papers. Yeah. Um, And then there's that whole discussion as to why he served the divorce papers. You know, maybe he's doing it to protect Lulu. Maybe he's doing it because he knows he's not himself and he'll never get back to himself. So there's all these questions left up in the air as to why he did it, if he's coming back, how Lulu's going to move forward, which now she's just a blubbering mess all the time. And I just, you know, my heart breaks for the actress that's playing that role because they've written her into a corner. Like, there's no place for her to go. But they, but having said that, they they are kind of trying to move her trajectory into getting involved with that other dude, the one that she met before and ran into him. I think she ran into him at the Metro Court, or did she run into him at the bar? Uh, Metro Court, and then they ran into each other because <laughs> uh, uh, Lulu and Maxie went on too. Right, so she ran into him, and they, I liked the chemistry between them. So I'm hoping that maybe you know they pull her out of that corner and and move her along in that direction with with that person. And then they, they did show Rocco, and they showed, and I was kind of glad that they did. I'm glad that they showed Rocco and showed how it's affecting the children because all we hear all the time is Lulu whining and crying about how Dante's not here and she needs him, the kids need him but we never see the kids Mm -hmm. and we never see how it's affecting the kids and we never see the kids reacting to the situation so when Peter is sitting there trying to read to him and they have that moment that was really nice I mean, and I know there are (laughs) certain people in our lovely chat that, you know, opinions uh, differ on Rocco yeah, because uh, I, I, well, they're not it, talking it, about Rocco, but what they are talking about is they said that um, they said, uh, Enrique said finally Lulu is doing more than asking where Dante is. Let's move this forward, dude. I am with you. I'm like enough already. Yeah. I'm, what is? Uh, let me just pause for the cause for a second. What is the deal with? I feel like General Hospital has this thing where they take a storyline, they they take a really good storyline. They run it into a corner, and then it takes them weeks to figure out how to get out of that box. Do you feel like that sometimes? No, it's true. And you, that, that makes me wonder why did you why did you put yourself in that box? Why would you do that to yourself? Like, did they have like a change in the writing staff or something? And people are trying to figure out what the history of Port Charles is like. I'm not really sure why that's happening, but that's what it sort of feels like. And it feels like that more often than not. Like there are some weeks where you can tell 
who's you can tell who's writing based on how they write the show. You can tell who has a really solid history of poor Charles and General Hospital over the fifty some odd years when the writing comes out and the dialogue comes out and you can tell who's just writing stuff to be writing stuff. Like when they write stuff for Joss, for example, I feel like they spend again, they spend so much time having her whining and crying about Oof. Oscar being gone. Like I'm like, can we I know grief doesn't have a timetable in real life, but in the soap world, they kind of move it along kind of swiftly. So can't we just, like, you know, move this along? Oh, yes. Uh, I mean, we'll get to to Jocelyn's story because I got some thoughts about that one. (laughs) Uh, But wrapping it up with uh, Lulu is, I mean, it was interesting to see, like, especially Olivia. It's like, if I could talk to him, I know I could fix everything. Like, that need to feel like I I could take care of my child and not... Olivia, in her heart, means well and probably feels that she could, mm. but has really no idea of the scope of what Dante's dealing with. Yeah, I mean, that's just a mother's grief talking. That's yeah. just a mother's grief. It's, it's like, and this is a really big stretch, so I don't want y'all coming for me when I say this, oh, but ready. this is a really big stretch. It's like when somebody has given birth to a child and that child ends up being a serial killer or a rapist. No matter what you say to that parent, that parent is convinced that the police and the victims have confused their child with someone else. Nobody wants to believe that they've given life to somebody that is capable of hurting anyone, no matter what form the hurt comes in, right? Mm-hmm. So I say all of that to say that Olivia's having a moment. She's in denial. She's in denial that she's given birth to a son that has been brainwashed, that is killing, that is shooting people with the intention to kill, that is just doing crazy stuff. Like, she doesn't want to believe that that's her kid. So, you know, I need some resolution for her, too. Because it's making her a little cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs as well. And it's, you know, I mean, I've interviewed and worked with people that have suffered from PTSD from serving overseas. And, I mean, it is is a struggle. And even if, the, even if it's been a few years away from the initial feeling of it, it is something that just does not go away. And they absolutely. Are absolutely set off. My dad was in the... Um, my dad was a Marine, and I remember when my dad came home from, from serving um, his time in the military, and he was in the war. I forget which one it is, but he—I want to say the Korean War, but I, don't, I know that's not right. But he did serve in a war in Vietnam, my father did, and at some point he came home. And I remember I was so happy to see him come home that I ran over to the bed and was like, Daddy, and I shook him. And my father jumped up out of that bed and put me in a chokehold and almost choked me to death because he had been trained that if somebody does that, that's how you react. And he forgot he was home. He forgot I was his kid. He just forgot. And he and I was like, Daddy, 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 and screaming. And finally he let me go. And he was traumatized by that. Traumatized. So from, to this day, and I'm grown now, to this day, I stand across the room if I want to wake my father up. And I scream, Daddy. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not in close proximity. Him, him and my mother, they have, it's weird. I stand across the room. I don't shake them because for some reason it really, it really startles them. And with my father, he has a physical reaction to it. So I just stand across the room and, and, and talk to him. But, yeah, I agree with you on that point. It would be interesting because I know, <laughs> I know people that have been in the service. Uh, one of the things that they do to help try to cope with that is get a service dog or service animal. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I would love to see uh, if they recast Dante. Have him come in with a service animal. I would love to see something like that factored into a storyline because that is definitely a, a real world 
thing that happens. I think, you know, they had an opportunity to do the whole PTSD thing with him, and then he got that of he left the show. So I think that's probably the direction they were headed in, and when he left the show, they were like, uh you know, do we want to recast this role? Do we want to wait this out? Like, So that's why I said they've written her into a box, because I think they're struggling and trying to figure out what to do with that. Because I think that they genuinely love the girl who plays Lulu, and they don't want to lose her. But they better hurry up. A homegirl going to be out of there quick, fast, and in a hurry. Because, I, yeah, they need to they need to move that along. Well, I like this because I feel like the, the, doing the divorce, <clears throat> we'll see Lulu struggle with this for a couple of days or hopefully a week or so. I'm not really looking forward mm-hmm. to that. But at least moving that character on to a new storyline. Then it figures, like, just when she gets to this happy place, then he'll that's come when you bring in. back the, the recast of Dante. Because that's what they always that do. In. That's what they always do. Yeah. You know? Awesome. Folk are wanting us to talk about this nail and Michael situation. They're like, talk about it right now. Okay, well, hold on one second because it just ties in what we were talking about, Rocco. My thought about Rocco was that uh, in terms of the child actors on the show, you know, I, if you're looking at a power ranking, Rocco's probably been my least favorite. <laughs> we know this. Yes. We know but this. As you was, have communicated yes. numerous times. He, he creeps me out when he comes on screen. But I felt like he had an, they gave him the opportunity to have a little bit more meat in the scene where he had the conversation with Peter about uh, his dad leaving and showing that he was brave and listening to a story that is kind of scary and uncomfortable, but he wanted to show that he was brave. Mm -hmm. I, I... it was nice to see them give him some more material. And, yeah, I was saying that was a nice yeah. scene because that because up until that moment, I wasn't really sure what that little kid could do, mm-hmm. and now I'm like, oh, he's got acting chops. He probably was the best actor for the gig, which is why he got it. But when you're a little kid, and I'm, I was never a child actor, but I can only imagine being a little kid working with all these adults on screen and in a soap opera situation because they work at lightning speed. It must be very daunting and intimidating for a child. So I think when we saw him early on, he probably was just daunted by the whole situation and how fast it was moving. You know what I mean? You're like, you don't care. (laughs) No, no, no. You know... I guess, but then, you know, like, oh. sometimes where his bug eyes, where his eyes would bug out, and you're like, ah, not the great acting, not a great acting choice. Uh, but I, anyway, I, I hope this is a sign of things to come for that, for the, the writers giving him more to do. Mm-hmm. So let's move on over to Michael and Nell. So this is what, this is what, I love Nell, because Nell is just menacing within, and she, I just love her. I, I love the evil people on the soaps, because they're interesting to watch. I mean, that's the bottom line for me. Um, But Nell is interesting because she's having that moment in the cell with Harmony where she's realizing that maybe she should tell Michael the truth. Like, you see her have this epiphany where she she says something like, you know, as much as you want to protect your child, sometimes life is just life and it is the way that it is. And you just have to acknowledge it and and go with it. And I'm like, "Ooh, ooh. You know, I think she initially called Michael to just mess with him on the death of the anniversary mm-hmm. and then once she found out from Harmony that Harmony thinks that Wiley is her grandson and Shiloh coming into play and all that I think she felt like she probably needed to tell Michael so that but but Nell doesn't tell Michael anything without some kind of self-serving situation coming into it so if she indeed drops the bomb and tells him that that Wiley is actually his kid that means that she thinks that means that she's probably going to get to see her son and that she'll get out because now the the kid is alive, right? And that all this drama that she went through was for naught. But 
I don't know. This com- it's going to be really interesting to see how that whole situation plays out because there's so many different lanes it can go down. You know what I'm saying? Um, but I actually was really surprised that Michael went. It. I mean, I, I'm glad to just like see this card, this next card turn over in the story. Mm-hmm. The one thing will be with Michael is that I mean he does not trust Nell. So even if she, well, were, even if Nell was had the epiphany that you spoke of, and tells Michael the honest truth, you don't think is, he'll believe her. Is Michael going to take that as like? I can't just trust your word on it. I would need to go check things out on my own. Well, he'd have th- to get a DNA test yeah. and all that. But think of it's going to wreak havoc when that comes. If if and when that finally does come down the pipe, it's going to wreak havoc on so many different people. And then and then it's going to wreak the most havoc on um, Brad. It's oh, going to sure. blow his world wide open. Poor and Bobby. I mean, now she's just going to get the diabetes even more. Because <laughs> the only thing that she was living for was for that grandkid. And now it's not hers? You know. Wilford Brindley, come, come save her. <laughs> it's <laughs> so, uh, yeah. and, and we know that Nell is not capable of loving anybody but herself. So... It's not like all of a sudden, all these years in in jail, she's learned how to become have a have a mother gene. She's learned how to have empathy for somebody other than herself. We know that that's not the case because well, that's not her DNA makeup. She's not that chick. Yeah, I mean, but having a child and feel like, which was once an, an initial wanted to screw you to Michael by not telling you that this baby's alive, mm-hmm. uh, finding out that you've perhaps put this child in a worse position. Mm-hmm. It's one thing when you think it's just going to be Brad and Lucas adopting, and that's great. They're, they're, I know them both; they're great. It'll be fine. Mm-hmm. But when you find out there's a potential for this, you know, the sexual predator all of a sudden to claim this child mm-hmm. and do who knows what to it, mm-hmm. can give you that moment of clarity. You're like, this has got to be more important than me trying to get one over on Michael. Mm-hmm. I got to. So maybe having a child gives her that little slight sliver. I don't, I don't know. know. I don't You're know. right. I agree. Um, Enrique says, Nell will probably say something like, make sure you protect Wiley, and then Michael will get suspicious because she'll be so adamant about that. That's actually a good point. Like, I could see that going down because that would just stretch it out a little bit. Um, I do like that Nell was relentless, though, with that collect call. Just collect call from Pentonville. Just, just accept those <laughs> charges, baby. But accept he them. didn't at first. I know. I liked it. He was like, no, click. I was like, oh. <laughs> He shut that. He was like, "I'm shutting it down." Yeah, he I, shut that down. He was like, "Yeah, and no," because it's also like, if what the second time you get that, like the first time, okay, I'm going to say no. Mm-hmm. The second time you get that call, do you even listen to it? You're just like, "No, click. I'm hanging up. I already know what this is. Why? Mm-hmm. Why, why, why do I have to go through this charade?" Mm-hmm. But he didn't. Nope. And nope. Carly was like, "She got you. <laughs> she got you. Why are you going?" I know. Carly was so annoyed by that. Speaking of Carly, let's talk about the spina bifida thing. Mm-hmm. Her and Sonny go back to the doctor to get a final test to see um, how the spina bifida is affecting the baby at this juncture. They have to have more frequent checkups in her pregnancy now that the baby's been diagnosed with that than they normally would. And they find out that um, the baby's spinal cord could potentially become exposed and that there will have to be a surgery for the child immediately after childbirth if, in fact, the child survives, Yeah, which is really stressful. And not only is that stressful for Carly, but Carly's stressed out over the fact that Dev is just a hot mess. And so she's like, I cannot be looking after this fool over here that's not even my kid when I have a kid that's coming into the world that's really sick and I have a daughter who's lost her boyfriend that's a whole nother thing like I cannot yeah, and it, Avery and not to mention Avery like she's got a lot on her plate 
and running the Metro Court, that's a whole lot going on. Yeah. For it is interesting with that, like is to get that diagnosis creates such a stressful situation, which is the one thing you want to avoid mm-hmm. when you're with child, is that those those stressful moments. Yeah, so because that's the kind of stuff that will make you miscarry. That's the kind of stuff that will make you um, have a baby early, early in the term. Yeah. And the, all of those things are very dangerous, you know. I, you know, I mean, they, of course... <clears throat> They, they put that little out in there so you can milk the potential drama for the storyline and still have it come out where it is a extremely mild form. Best case scenario happens. I hope so. But, but the look on that doctor's face every time she comes in the room is oh. just one of horror. It is. Like you like, I, but I have to give it to her as the actress playing the part. I have to give it to her because I was like, when they put that camera on her and they go to commercial, I'm like... Well, I can't get up and get a sandwich now. <laughs> I, I got to sit here and wait till they come back from the commercial. I don't want to be like, you know, spreading some mustard on a piece of bread and find mm. out that she just said something because I can't hear it past me spreading whatever I'm spreading on the bread. I'm like, she's really good. Zero but, poker face on her. I'm, just, But I'm saying she's, <laughs> she does more with her face because they don't give her that much dialogue. But she does more with her face than she ever does with anything that she says, which is fascinating to me. I love when actors do that. That because that means they're very, they're very, very skilled at listening and making sure that whatever they're internalizing in, internalizing what they're listening is showing up on their face, and that's really difficult to do. I mean, for me, I would have walked into that scene and just went. Okay, you got jokes. I cannot. No, that's not the way you would deliver that. The doctor just goes thumbs down, raspberry. I cannot. I I cannot. So there's that going on with them. And then I love that Jason and Carly had that nice chat about it. And she's like, I just want to scream. I just want to tell somebody something. And and they they haven't given Laura... um, that many opportunities to have those kinds of scenes where she's not just like hysterically crazy crying. So it was nice to see her um, be emotional, but it being controlled. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And and have that moment with Jason because that's their thing. Like they have those moments. That's totally their thing. And I kind of like watching Sonny kind of just be supportive and be in the background because any other time he'd be off doing you know mafioso mess and so (laughs) you know so it's really cool that he's he's been there but in the one moment that he did that he was off doing mafioso mafioso mess he was talking to robert scorpio and robert was like he's like look dog um we're gonna have to establish some boundaries here (laughs) because i can't have this conversation and he said that and walked away i was like oh you know, I, like, chirp, chirp. <laughs> I felt like that was such a uh, like a a scene that kind of fell flat in the end for me because they do have the conversation about first it's like can't tell me anything about Dev because mm-hmm. I'm a DA now mm-hmm. can't do that then mm-hmm. they talk about Dante Robert acknowledging that yeah the WSP screwed this up but you know they kicked me out there's nothing really I can do if I was still in the mix I could help more than I could mm-hmm. and so they, when he does the wrap up there and he says you know we got to figure out how we want to deal with each other mm-hmm, because mm-hmm. I'm the DA mm-hmm. uh, I, I can't I, be I'm having a, this conversation yeah, with you I'm a member of law enforcement and then Sonny says and, and I'm not and, I, I, and it's like I rather would have had Robert say like some and you're a coffee importer <laughs> uh, I mean just just to know like and you're I hate a coffee you right importer. now but it's just <laughs> for Robert, that's a smart way of saying like I know what you're really all about, Sonny. You're a coffee importer. I can't be talking to you. I thought that was a better. Uh, that seemed felt flat to me. And I was like, come on. Yeah, it was kind of better ending. On it that was kind of like wah, wah, wah. coffee importer. It was wah. Wah, wah. I'm gonna flip back to um to um Jacks one more time. 
they're really giving Jax a lot of play. They gave him a lot of play this week. So they had him talking to Nina. Okay, let me just talk about Nina for a second. Now, was it me? But when that chick that plays Nina, when she came on the soap, she had some visible bags under her eyes. And this week, it looked like somebody injected a pillow under her eye. Did you notice that hmm. with her? I mean, her her face looked her face her face looked like it had been airbrushed. And I'm like, I don't know. Maybe she got a good night's sleep, or I'm not sure what happened. But something. I don't know if she got like some filler put in or what was going on, but something was going on with her face and it was distracting for me. I was like, what is going on with her face? There were some, I felt like I could see what you're saying. Cause there's a, there were a couple of scenes where she was talking with Carly. Mm-hmm. Carly's like, you know, what's going on? What, what, you know, tell me about Jax. Where mm-hmm. I was just looking at her like, something seems off. It was under her eyes. Because go back, go a couple of, even go back last week. Look at her scenes from last week and you will see, because she has, this, she has deep set eyes like I do. She has big deep set eyes like I do. So we have this, this little puff thing under here, right? Mm-hmm. It's nothing but fat underneath your eyes and it's okay. It's better to keep your eyeballs up in your face. It's all good. <laughs> but I'm just saying. But I looked at her and I was like, something looks like I was just, I was so distracted by that, that I literally had to wait for the episode to re-air and watch it back on Hulu because I couldn't concentrate. (laughs) I was like, what is going on with her face? (laughs) Oh my gosh. You know, uh, Oh no, JLJ, James Lai Jr. is calling me shady. He said shady Sunday. James Lai Jr., you know I'm telling the truth. You know that child's face looked like she did something to it. Don't play. But I will admit, uh, uh, Carla, I sometimes get distracted by how great our fans are. <laughs> Here we go. That's right. right we got the greatest fans around. They're, they join us every single Sunday. They can be doing a bazillion other things. Sometimes I'm, I'm sitting there talking with you, and I get to start like, my gosh, we got so many great fans that decided to spend their Sunday afternoon with us. Mm-hmm. Talk about you in the hospital. Folks, thank you so much for joining us each and every Sunday. We love it. We couldn't do the show without you. We really appreciate all the commentary and feedback and thoughts and comments that you give us throughout the show. Really makes our Sunday. So, but you know what? AfterBuzz has got so many more shows than the GH Report. Carla is building her media empire happening all over there. I mean, she's got the Kirby Critic Show on BHL. She's got American Princess. Uh, you know, they're going to be doing a, a showrunner uh, conversation soon. It's going to be fantastic. Uh, she's blowing up all over the place. But, uh, folks, uh, all our other shows. We're just asking for a little bit of help. You know, if you get a chance, hop on the YouTube channel, subscribe, leave a comment. If you're on iTunes, when you get a chance, five-star ratings, leave a review. No matter where you're in, though, just get involved in the conversation like these fine people in the chat today. Yes, they're they're calling Sonny a a raccoon. I'm like, y'all are not right. And they said that the conversation about Nina went sideways. It did. I digress. But let me... me, We're going to steer it back. So let me get back to what I was saying about about her. So I, I love that when Jackson Nina had a conversation, they were they were gloating about how well this Crimson um, article cover story had gone about Ava and how she was able to keep her journalistic integrity in terms of how the story was reported, blah blah blah. And then um, <laughs> he's like, "What else do you have for me?" And she's like, "What do you know about Cassandra Pierce?" And then you see the camera go to Curtis, like, dun, dun, dun. Like, what is happening right now? I don't like, understand. Like, I don't know why Nina, like, went, like, so out like that. It's like, because I know you got a file. Because Curtis <laughs> is spying on you. She was like, she, was like she said, what do you know about Cassandra Pierce? And then Jax is like, well, why don't we go to dinner? She says, I'll do you one better. Why don't you come to Windermere? All right. <laughs> and then he thinks, he thinks, she thinks. 
I'm sorry. He thinks that he's got he's pulling the wool over her eyes, and she's like. Yeah, I got him where I want him because I'm going to find out what his situation is with this Cassandra chick. And he's on the phone. I think he's on the phone with Hayden going, yeah, we just got invited to Windermere. We can search the place while we're there. Like, I cannot wait to see how that dinner party is going to go down. That's going to be pure comedy right there. Yeah, it's uh, it'll be interesting. And we keep seeing <coughs> scenes with Hayden and Jackson always looking like, you know, we can get what we really came here for. And I'm waiting and what to is, see right, what, and what it is. is. It? Like, what is it that they came there? Speaking of Hayden... There was a really lovely scene between um, Chase and Finn mm-hmm. when he's talking about Hayden. And he finally admits, because I'm like, it was very, I love the chem. I said this before, I love the chemistry between the two of them. And because it's like that unspoken thing that you're, you're just waiting for them to like just combust. <laughs> it's just combustible. But. I love the fact that he's now starting to get really comfortable with Chase as his brother and start to confide in him and let him know how he feels about Hayden and Anna and all of that, you know. And then I love the fact that when Chase did run into Hayden, he's like, yeah, I'm so sorry about that whole thing at the PCPD, but can we just, like, you know, shake on it and start over? I love how all of that's kind of unfolding, and I love that Willow and Chase finally said I love you because they were, like, wearing me out. It was like the unspoken. It was like the glances and the awkwardness, and I'm like, okay, so now they finally said it. So what's going to happen with them now that they finally admitted this? And then that's another person that this whole Wiley thing is going to affect. What is she going to do when she finds out that her child really did die? It's going to be rough for Willow. For I sure. feel bad for her. I mean, and, but it was nice for <laughs> to see Willow because so much of the focus has been on Willow and and what she gave up and how she's dealing with the whole Wiley situation. For her to turn it around on Michael since it was the the one year anniversary of his passing mm-hmm. of Jonah's supposed passing and just ask how Michael's doing. Mm-hmm. I, that was nice because a lot of times with Willow scenes, it usually has been all about her mm-hmm. and her talking and everybody else listening. It was nice for her to go, well, well, how is it going for you? Because it only makes sense that she would do that because that's how they met. They met going into that grief counseling situation. So it only makes sense that she would ask how he was doing because that's how they, they became friendly in the first place. So that was that was nice. That was a nice twist, nice moment. Uh, and we still, again, have the uh, the Sasha Michael stuff. Uh, I, you know, I, I'm digging Sasha and Michael. I'm, I'm I like Sasha and Michael, and yeah. I love this Sasha standing up to Valentine. She's like, Mm-mm, "You need to get up out my face." <laughs> <laughs> I kind of love her for that. I kind, I, I don't want, I don't want her to get hurt. I don't want Michael to get hurt. I kind of want them to keep her around. I kind of like her on GH. I do, and I, and I feel like the, what what the show's done is it's done a great job of just humanizing her. Where mm-hmm. she came in. Working for Valentine to kind of set up Nina. She was shady boots. I think the show has done a really great job of showing her she's, in all aspects, been a decent person. Mm -hmm. Even when she was initially brought on running the account, she was still uh, being very kind and cordial. She wasn't trying to throw people under the bus, stab, backstab anybody like Mm -hmm. that. So when the truth does come out, I know it will sting for Mm -hmm. sure, and Nina will be devastated. (laughs) Absolutely. But I don't think it's one of those where she could be cast out as a Tom Pariah. Mm. I mean, or, or feel like, oh, she's getting her just desserts. <laughs> you know, I feel like, mm. yeah, the show's done a good job. It's like, all right, yeah, she's, you know, in, she took advantage of a situation, but, you know. 
What do we what do we feel about Valentine showing up at the hospital saying that he had orders to pick up Liesl? Do we really think? <laughs> yeah, what is do that? we really think that that Nina sent him there to pick her up, or is he or or is he does he have shenanigans up his sleeve? You know he's got shenanigans. <laughs> and Liesl, if she's got any brains, she's not going anywhere to Valentine. Because Liesl was like, "What are you doing here? Where's my niece?" <laughs> She like she did not hesitate before that popped out of her mouth, and she was looking at looking like where is she in your pocket? Like where is she? Yeah, <laughs> it was pure comedy. I kind of loved her for that. Uh, I mean, and again, it's like so they get the photos <laughs> and they blow them up and they show them to Lee. So like, here's what we think happened. Mm-hmm. Here's this person. Uh, you know, again, this story needs to take the next step because as of right now, I don't care. <laughs> I don't care at all. It needs to give me a little something more. <laughs> I'm not invested if I do nudge Liesl over the side of the boat. They're saying all the women on General Hospital are shady. They kind of are. <laughs> so, so we do, I mean, because I mean, Liesl's convinced it's Hayden, but we know it's not. No, because so, what did they say about Hayden? They said something about, because she said, I still think it's Hayden. And somebody said to her, yeah, that's that. They said something really funny that now I can't remember about Hayden not being a person. And I laughed. I remember I looked at the TV and I laughed out loud. It was pure comedy. <laughs> Um, oh, uh, we did I, I, the Jocelyn storyline. Oh, right, the bo- Jocelyn and the, and the lock situation. Oh, that was awful, <laughs> awful. That was, that drove me crazy. First of all, like I didn't mind her going to the bridge and and wanting to have that moment, but when she got there and saw that it was gone, and then she had that little moment with Dev, and Dev was like, "Oh, I'm like I can't," and then. Um, Cameron is in the trash can trying to find the lock and Deb is covering for him and then her and Trina apparently went on a run but Trina's sweating and Joss isn't. I'm like, what is going uh. on? Why does Trina have sweat and Josta has a no water nowhere and she's the only one that's toweling down and ain't no water nowhere? I'm like, okay. The thing that drove me about crazy about that scene is that we get Cameron, he goes to the bridge and he starts cutting off all the locks because people are making planning and so the park is going to take these down. So then, <laughs> then Jazz goes to the bridge and finds out they're all gone. Oh, I got the last piece of Oscar's gone. I thought this would be here forever. Like, this is a public park. Who did you think was going to let these blocks last forever? First of all, it's dangerous to the infrastructure of the bridge because there's some there was some bridge I think it's in London or someplace overseas where they did exactly that it was ruining the infrastructure of the bridge and so they cut off all the locks and this place was like infamous for having locks from people all over the world but it was jacking up the infrastructure of the bridge so they had to shut it down yeah. so first of all you care more about this lock when you and Oscar then you do the infrastructure of that bridge what if you had gone to that bridge looking for that lock and then you had fallen into the water because the infrastructure was jacked up I'm just saying now, carve your <laughs> carve your initials into a tree or something that's gonna have a better chance of sticking around longer Whatever. than a lock on a bridge but when she when she found out that Cameron went through all that trouble to get it back for her and she threw her little arms around him his little face it was so cute Ugh. his little face he has the biggest crush on her and I feel like him and Deb and she fights with Dev because there's part of her that's kind of attracted to Dev because there's something about Dev that might remind her of Sunny just a little bit and she kind of, I know that's creepy I know it's creepy I know it's creepy but I'm not saying that like this is a little girl that has a crush on an older man like she she reveres Sunny she admires Sunny she admires qualities about Sunny I mean his qualities not him 
right? So let me be clear about that. But there are qualities about Deb that are very similar to qualities of Sunny, and those may be some things that her father also possesses that she's attracted. Like, it's a known thing that girls oftentimes will date guys that have some type of personality trait or quality of their dad. They're not trying to date their dad, because that's gross, but they will date somebody that has a quality about their dad that they like because it's comfortable for them. There's something about that that makes it feel like home. Well, fortunately, I have none of those traits, so my daughter <laughs> will not fall into that trap. Uh, the one thing I thought was like, camera going through that know. garbage. Oh, I know. I got zero. You don't know. Zero traits. <laughs> um, but camera goes into that dumpster, and I do like how he, one of the first bags he lifts into is just like filled with just like brown wrapping paper. And he goes and lifts it up. It's like, first of all, Cameron, if it's light enough to lift, it's probably not filled with a bunch of locks. So why even bother wasting time going through that bag? And there's that. They were so in the chat room. They're trying to prove my point. They're like, she she likes a man. She likes bad boys. So that I guess that's basically what I was trying to say at the end of the day. Thank you, thank you, Michael B. Oscar's that bad boy. (laughs) That bad boy, Oscar Nero. You bad boy. And I'll say, did you see? It's like she is her mother's daughter, and that's true too. So thank y'all. Uh, the the one thing, uh, as soon as we're getting ready to wrap up here, is we did find out a little bit at, at the beginning of the week the deal with Shiloh and Drew, mm-hmm. where Shiloh was trying to uh, where he was uh, stealing oil and selling it to insurgents, mm-hmm. uh, and so like Drew was basically going to make sure that he was uh, he went to prison for this, mm-hmm. and so I can only assume that it must have been after that sequence that is when he gets abducted. And so he's not able to do that, and Child was able to get away scot free. Mm-hmm. So that's why he's worrying about those. And in the chat out. room, they're saying that Billy Billy Miller's gone from GH. Yeah. Did you know that? I didn't know that. That's they're saying that in the chat room that he's he he left GH. I don't blame him. I mean, he hasn't been given much to do. No. So I mean, I liked him too. That's so sad. I, I'll be curious to see if they write him off as a. I, I hope it is not a death. Send him off. And and if we want to do a recast or something later, that's fine. But I mean, but he doesn't. There's nobody to bring him back for. Like him and Kim are pretty much done. You know what I mean? He's got Scout. Yeah, but you know, Sam can has been dealing with Scout anyway. How dare you? Like he was so invested in Scout. But I'm saying Sam has been dealing with Scout for the most part anyway. So All there's right. that. All right, folks. Uh, real quick, I said we do a little hot news item, and that is. Uh, send your we- your well wishes to Leslie Charlton. She was injured. She's currently in the hospital. Oh no! Yeah, she had some some um, some surgery. So send your uh, well wishes to her. Let's get her back and uh, you know well because the show is much better when we get some Monica Quartermain. Absolutely, feel better, Miss Miss Leslie. Uh, so folks, that's going to do it for this episode of the GH Report. Look at it. We did it. Another episode in the books. Yep, we did. As always, folks, like us on Facebook. Give us those five stars on tw- uh, on iTunes. Yeah, Twitter too. <laughs> You're like you know, give us you five know, stars on Twitter. You know that thing. <laughs> yeah, do that as well. Uh, but if you want to continue the conversation with either of us, even after the show's over. Carla, where can they find you? You can find me, guys, across all social media platforms at The Curvy Critic. You can also find me on Sundays right before the GH After Show over at Black Hollywood Live doing The Curvy Critic with Carla Renata, where we talk about all things film releases, film gossip, film interviews, and stuff like that. So check me out there. Look at that. I mean, again, this empire <laughs> is is just rapidly rising, folks. You are doing yourself a disservice if you're not getting on board here with The Curvy Critic. <laughs> Folks, follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Happy Go Jackie. We'll be back here next Sunday with an all new episode of the GH Report right here on AfterBuzz TV. Go get a lock, go find a bridge, have fun. See you then. Bye. <laughs> Our founder, Kevin Undergaro, and me, Maria Menunos, would like to thank you for tuning in to AfterBuzz TV. 
Remember, we're not just the first, we're the biggest in the world, and we're the only destination for all your favorite TV shows. Whatever you crave, we've got it. So go to AfterBuzzTV.com and check out our lineup. Buzz you later. <laughs> the views expressed herein are those of the hosts only and do not necessarily reflect the views of AfterBuzz TV or its owners or principals. 